again, mathematicians. Welcome back to um, R11 Math Now podcast. Uh, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about the way we talk about ourselves and our students. And then today we're kind of building on that. But first, Kelsey, would you like to introduce yourself? I would. This is my first time on a podcast ever. Whoa! Here we go. So <laughs> exciting. So yeah, my name is Kelsey Johnson Lamadou, and I'm an instructional content coach here at Region 11. And I focus a lot on early childhood learning and elementary math. Awesome. Thanks yeah. for joining. Um, and I'm Caitlin Cook. I'm a K-5 uh, math content coach here at ESC Region 11. And we're excited you're joining us today. Yeah. All right, so in this episode, we're gonna talk a little bit about finding student strengths. And I kinda of wanna reflect on a cycle that we typically see in schools. Okay. I know at, whenever I was in the classroom, this is what it looked like. Kind of that assessment cycle, right? So we would go through like assess a computational skill, <laughs> identify a weakness, build some interventions, test them again, <laughs> and then just keep going through that process. Right, right. And maybe not like changing up student groups very often because they're just, yeah. that's where they are. The computer just... telling me that they're at this learning level. And so that's the group that they fall in. And mm -hmm. sometimes we would see kind of the rotation that way. Right. right? And I'm just going to stick with that because that's what the test said. That's yeah. what the computer said. And so as I was doing some research, I feel like my thinking really got pushed. And as far as like, what is this actually showing me that my students know how to do? Like, what do they know how to do? Mm -hmm. What is their strengths? Mm -hmm. How can I find these strengths? So kind of like looking beyond like the typical assessment? Yes, because when you have an assessment where it's 10 questions, multiple choice, we see this a lot. I know I did it when I was in the classroom. Um, Sometimes you, you can glean data from that, mm -hmm. but you might not actually find student strengths there. Well, and a lot of what you see there is a right or wrong, mm -hmm. right? You're not able to actually, unless you really dig deep into the paper copies, like study the work that they showed or what they did. If they showed work. If they showed work, right? Because yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other battle. Um, but just getting to the root of what they truly know. Okay. And so um, as we kind of dive into that and start thinking about what kind of things can we put in front of a student or can we have a discussion about that would actually show what mm -hmm. the student knows, what they're thinking, mm -hmm. um, actually allow them to learn as they're showing work. Mm -hmm. um, so would you like to jump into maybe your favorite way to see student thinking? Yeah, definitely. So one of my favorite ways to see and hear student thinking in the elementary classroom is through number talks, and this can take on a lot of different, it can look a lot of different ways, right? Um, but basically it's presenting a problem to students, and it can be something as simple as an algorithm problem shown mm -hmm. to them, um, or really any math topic that you want to cover again or want to dig into their thinking, and giving them some time to process what they see, right, before kids start shouting out the answer, and then starting to have that strategic collaborative conversation about what they see, what they notice, and how they might solve the problem. Um, so what this allows students to do is voice and really um, explain deeply their 
understanding of mm -hmm. how to solve the problem. And I, the reason I like this is because it's pretty accessible to all students because if I'm just asking questions like, what do you notice about this problem? One student might say, well, I notice it's 197 minus 73. That's a noticing. That tells me, okay, they're on track with like place value. They know what the problem is asking them yeah. to do. If they, can, they can verbalize the number. They can read the number. Right, right. Straight. And like I'm working a lot with like the littlest students. Mm -hmm. So it's like that would be something that I would want to see mm -hmm. in those lower grades. Um, but you can kind of tailor it to whatever your students need um, to practice or what you want to check in on their strengths with. Um, number talks are quick and you can make them a part of your daily routine. So it's not like this burden to, okay, I'm going to give this assessment. I'm going to get all this data, track all this data. It's really more of just a habit that you build for your, for yourself and your students. So that they have a chance to talk about problem solving, um, and really voice their understanding. Um, yeah, that's a good way to see strengths. That's probably I my favorite I think so too. Way. And from um, participating in and watching several numeracy routines, it's easy to see that if you are a student that's um, operating on a concrete level, like there's a way for you to enter into that, as well as if you are still working with representations or even if you're kind of more in the abstract side of the thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and there's really ways to bridge back and forth between and just deepen that understanding for all students in the classroom. Yep, definitely. Because as I'm leading a number talk, right, I'm annotating whatever student is explaining their thinking. So okay. that helps build everyone's understanding as I'm verb I'm putting into print what the student is verbalizing, right? Um, and then there was another piece of that. I know that like when I started participating in some number numeracy routines and number talks as an educator, um, at first I was very, when I would participate in it myself, like, okay, I'm just going to do this like the most obvious way that I can think of to do mm -hmm. it. And then the more time I've spent like participating in those things, I noticed how my thinking was different. Mm. I would kind of challenge myself, like, is there a more interesting way that I can answer this? Or is there a way that I don't think maybe someone else would come up with? Or how does my way connect to what that person just said? And so I really noticed the flexibility in my thinking around mm. the mathematics was shifting over time. Yes, yes. So three things that number talks can do, right? They can help with flexibility. They can help students see that you can solve the same problem you know, five, ten different ways. Um, accuracy, right? We want to make sure they're getting to the right answer. And then efficiency. We want to make sure that they're getting to the right answer and in an efficient way, right? So if they're doing a multiplication problem, we probably don't want to see them drawing um, like 15 circles with three dots in each. There's a different way to solve that that's, that's more efficient. And that can reveal itself without you explicitly as the teacher having to say, hey, that's not the quickest way for you to do this, and you need to do it yes. this way. Yes, it's a lot of collaborative conversation and collaborative learning that takes place. Um, and I, I found that it helps build student confidence quite a bit um, just because of the accessibility that it gives all students. So yeah, definitely my favorite way to find student strengths. What about, what about you? I do love you have that way. way? Um, yeah, so I really have been enjoying participating in and um, looking through various rich math tasks. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think it's sometimes can be a challenge to find a rich math task to fit what your what your concept is. Okay. But once you do, um, once you know what you're kind of looking for mm -hmm. for that, um, it really requires that all students engage mm -hmm. or it. it to facilitate a good one, you want to have a task that allows all students to students to engage. Therefore, they have several entry points into the problem or situation. Um, they can represent it however they know to do. Um, and then same thing kind of once you've participated in the math task, the students can kind of have those collaborative conversations and um, build their understanding with other students. Mm -hmm. um, have you participated in any recent ones that you've noticed anything? I have, and what I love about rich math tasks is getting students to that point of productive struggle, yes. right? You don't want them to get to that frustrational point where they just are like ready or they do just give up and like can't do this, but to that point where, wow, this is really difficult, but they are able to lean on their peers and kind of collaborate and figure it out together. Yes. Um, for people who haven't heard of rich math tasks before, should we back up and like kind of describe what that is or what it looks like? Yes, definitely. The attributes of a rich math task are that it's accessible to all learners. That means they have some context, background, and multiple entry points into the situation or problem. Uh, multiple strategies can be elicited, so if they're working concretely, um, they can do representations, they may also be using algorithms. Um, it's also purposeful with connections to representations, and there should be some connections between the context and the process standards. Mm -hmm. So I want to give you a little example of what I'm okay. talking about, because yeah. that might be a little hard to process. Um, one example here is that Ruth has a set of shapes. Okay. Okay. And with the, she says that the shape with the most sides also has the most lines of symmetry. So you would have several shapes in front of you. And it says that Lois disagrees. So the question that students could be presented with is who is correct and how do you know? Hmm. So we like this because it allows students to show their understanding and explain their understanding. Mm -hmm. So that is showing us more of what they actually know about the math than, versus if we just said um, A, B, C, D answer choice, pick which one has the most lines of symmetry mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. the various shapes. So um, that's one of the reasons that I really like the rich math task is because I think teachers are kind of used to those A, B, C, D word problem things. And so this is kind of a nice shift. A lot of those problems can easily be transformed into a rich math task. Definitely, easily transformed. And I noticed a lot of similarities between the rich math tasks and what we already talked about with number talks, right? So yeah. it's like accessible to many students. Um, I love the term low floor, high ceiling, mm -hmm. right? So it's like low floor, which like, what's a low floor? <laughs> Meaning I, I envision like a ramp, right? Mm -hmm. Like any student can enter the space easily. High ceiling, they can go as high as they mm -hmm. want to, as high as they possibly can. Um, so truly for all learners in your right, classroom. Right, um, And then the multiple strategies represented, that reminds me of the flexibility that we're looking to see or hoping to see during a number talk. So really, both of these are rooted in that collaborative conversation and the critical, um, critical thinking piece that we're pushing our students to get to through 
these activities really. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit, touch on um, what some student strengths that students could be showing you through these activities. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. So I have here in my strength-based teaching and learning and mathematics, five teaching turnarounds for grades K through six. Lovely and book. This is um, by Beth Cobet, and I know I referenced this last podcast episode, but such good stuff. And Karen Karp is also yes, the other author. We read this as like a little internal book club a few months ago. Yeah. So and you book. can tell that I really enjoyed it because my book is thoroughly marked up and um, it's great stuff. But um, student strengths can be a ton of different things, right? It could okay. be that they persevere, they take risks, they ask good questions, they just um, listen to others' ideas. They like working independently. That can be a strength. Um, some other content areas that they can show you are like understanding of that concept. They might um, show use of number sense. Mm -hmm. They might have graph sense. They might have great spatial awareness. Um, they may be really good at visual mathematics, so working with representations. They may have a good understanding of their basic math facts. So these are all areas that we can be looking for those student strengths. Mm -hmm. And um, is, is there any other student strengths that are your favorites to look for? Well, one of those that you said just really stuck with me, and well, I guess it was like a section of them that have to do with a student's just overall attitude or disposition. You mm -hmm. know, they persevere. They um, know how to take risks. They just enjoy math. They That's a strength. They ask questions. Right, yeah. right. But in the persevering and the risk-taking, that can transcend across any content area mm -hmm. as well. So what I love about that is thinking about our students that maybe do have low confidence in math and how can we build up those strengths that maybe aren't specific to math specifically but building up those strengths so that they can use that perseverance, use that risk-taking, use the questions um, to tackle some of these rich math tasks or other like difficult um, kind of topics or questions that we're asking them. This kind of makes me think back to the last episode and going into like a strengths-based approach to ourselves and our students and um, coming in with that kind of that confidence that you can look at yourself and come up with a strength mm -hmm. in that area, mm -hmm. right? So I have a challenge oh, for the okay. week. What's our challenge? An R11 math challenge. And this one is to choose one student in your classroom and list as many strengths as you can about that student. Hmm. So I really I'm would gonna, like to challenge, yeah. Wait, well, I'm gonna push you on that and it's like pick maybe not, because some of our students, it, let's just be like super clear. Some of our students, it's really easy to make a list a mile long of their strengths, right? This is so where I was going to go. Maybe <laughs> don't pick that obvious student that's easy to make that list of strengths that's a mile long. Maybe pick a student with some lower confidence in the in the mathematics and try to how can we build them up? We really right. need to find those strengths to foster right. those. A student that you're looking for their strengths, you need to find them to help that student build up. And yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We can do that. Let's do it. Kelsey, I mean, one I of your strengths is as oh. a communicator, um, you're very innovative. Oh, wow. Um, you do a great job of recording your ideas. Um, those are some good strengths that I just came up with off the top of my head. Well, Great. thanks, Caitlin. Caitlin is the organizer <laughs> that keeps our whole team together with all of our plans. So I'm thankful <laughs> for Caitlin's strength of organization. Um, but yeah, I hope that you guys who are listening in the audience think about how you can um, think about those students' strengths and really, this is something you can get your students involved in as well. 
right? Um, I've seen students as young as kinder, first grade, they love to talk about what they're good at. And it's even more important when they get into those upper grades and their brains are really developing and maybe they do start to feel confident in one subject area and maybe not so confident in another subject area. So just how can we help them see their own strengths across the board? So. All right, thanks for joining me. Of course, right. thanks.